Welcome to the Composer Studio Podcast. On the Composer Studio, we listen to the music of living composers. We talk to them about their writing process, and we learn about the world of music that they live and work in. I'm Tarek Iridella. I'm Amy Scaria. And I'm Anna Linville. Today, our guest is Mariana Filippi. Mariana, how are you today? Hi, Tarek. It's so good to be here today. Great. I'm so glad that you were able to join us. And, and if anyone's wondering, uh, Mariana is joining us via phone, um, as is one of our co-hosts, Amy Scaria. Of course, we are adhering to uh, what is expected of us with regard to the coronavirus. So in case anyone's wondering, we yes. are following the law. We're taking precautions. I'm keeping Tarek seven feet away at least. <laughs> who knows where he's been. And I'm pretty sure I'm quite far away from you guys. So yeah. I think I'm safe. I think we're safe. Mariana, you're calling in from Maine today. Is that right? Yes, that's right. In Thomaston, Maine. Awesome. Awesome. Amy, did you have some questions for Mariana before we get started with her music? Yeah, hi everyone. I'm Amy Scaria, co-host for the Composer Studio, and I'm actually just going to do an intro of who Mariana is, and then we'll jump into music to share with our listeners. Um, we are so excited to have her on today. She is a young and extremely talented composer I actually connected with through social media. Um, and she composes music for both the theater and chamber music. Chamber, chamber groups. She's an American composer who was initially self-taught, and we'll talk about that a little bit, and then attended the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama in Cardiff, Wales. Um, first, let's just have a little taste of her music. This is one of her works for theater entitled The Oracle's Lullaby. Let's take a listen.
That was Oracle's Lullaby by Mariana Filippi. Mariana, I wanted to make sure I got your last name correct. It's Filippi. Uh, am I saying it right? You're saying it perfectly. Awesome. Awesome. You know, I, that's such a beautiful piece. Um, and uh, even giving chills to some people who are listening to it. And, you know, I wanted to ask, it, it, it has an air of uh, a folk sound to it. You know, there's like a pentatonic sound with it. And I was wondering, what was the inspiration for this piece? Oh, yes. Um, well, my initial inspiration was, of course, the virtual instruments. Uh, I've been meaning to make more use of them uh, because I have quite a few in stock. And also, I have um, an amazing love for video game music. Um, one of my Two of my main inspirations are Nobuo Matsu, who is the composer for Final Fantasy series, uh, primarily, and also Johi Saishi, who wrote the scores for all of Miyazaki's films for Studio Ghibli. And I was trying to keeping keeping them in mind for the flavor of this piece, um, and I wanted to kind of make a video game soundtrack because I'd always wanted to give my, try my hand at it. Um, so that was kind of the main inspiration for it. And also, I was primarily brought up on Irish music, actually, uh, growing up. So a lot of Celtic influences are in my music, just kind of little hints of it. And I just love the pentatonic um, scale so much. And, uh, and using um, stacked force and everything. So um, I was trying to convey that kind of flavor, and I wanted to create something very very relaxing, very mystical, uh, with the Halusi sample as the leading instrument. Neato. And, and you mentioned virtual instruments. So uh, for some folks who are listening to this who may not be aware of what virtual instruments are, could you elaborate a little bit? Oh, yes. Um, so virtual instruments are basically a set of plugins, so basically electronic instruments. It's all through MIDI, a MIDI keyboard, so I can play the keyboard and have the keyboard translate um, the sound into this plugin. So whatever I play on the keyboard sounds like any kind of instrument I want. Um, it's all done on a software. My software currently is called Reaper. Uh, there's a bunch of, bunch of them. There's Ableton Live, there's Cubase, there's Logic. Um, so basically, it's an interface that then talks to the MIDI keyboard and translates it into whatever sound I assign um, that specific line of music to. Nice. Nice. You know, and, and this is a trend now that we've seen a lot. Uh, for every composer that we've had on now, there's been at least some element of electronic electronics or virtual virtuality involved in their music and I think that this is a trend that we're moving towards more and more having at least a blend of electronic music mixed with live music if not electronic by itself yes indeed um, oh, I'm sorry Nayana go ahead oh that's okay quite a lot of film scores actually use virtual instruments um, I mean the quality is almost incomparable of course I would always want to have live musicians um, as the forerunners of whatever pieces I write, um, because I love working with musicians, absolutely love it. It's like a surreal experience. Um, but having virtual instruments when there is no availability for, um, for you know, <laughs> uh, ethnic ensembles or full orchestras, I can all, I'll just access them right from my studio, which is very, very helpful especially when trying to realize a new piece. 
So, Mariana, you were talking about um, working with live performers and how you like to work with live musicians. Um, what is it like for a composer now to try and um, have, a, have a new piece realized by living musicians or a live orchestra? Oh, it's, um, do you mean the difficulty of it or yeah. accessibility? Yeah, what is it like? Um, do you have a network of musicians that you work with who... Um, who, who are willing to premiere your new work? Um, how does that? How does your? How does that music community function now? Oh yes, I see what you mean. So recently, in the past two years, especially um, these past two years, have been incredibly uh, lucrative in that sense of networking with both international and nas- and uh, local musicians. Um, I've had premieres recently by the Portland Piano Trio. Uh, Tracy just ha- just asked Har Dell. Andy Antonakos and Will and Wayne Smith of the fantastic Portland Piano Trio. Um, they are three incredible professional musicians and also a an amazing cellist, Benjamin Noyes, um, who is my very dear friend, and we're doing a lot of projects together. And also flautist Rebecca Jeffries, who lives in Mass, Massachusetts, and also a few international musicians, um, classical accordionist Martina Jemberzak, who actually just premiered one of my pieces today. It was fantastic. Um, she's in Croatia, and also Andreas Redende Anjal in Norway. He's another accordionist. And um, Belarusian violist Katarina Shapachka, who mm. will be premiering a few of my pieces, uh, hopefully within the next couple of months or so, with her ensemble. So all these musicians actually came um, by through actually attending events. So I met the Portland Piano Trio and Benjamin Noyes and Rebecca Jeffries actually last May when I had a piece premiered at the Bat Cove Contemporary Music Festival in Portland, Maine. Um, and they just loved my music so much. It was incredible to receive such praise. And they invited me to write pieces for them um, that they that they wanted to premiere. So, And the other musicians actually I met over the summer um, at High Score Contemporary Music Festival, which I attended last year and this past year as well. It was phenomenal. And um, they all suggested that I should write pieces for them because they wanted, they wanted more of my music. It was, it was, it was a very honorable feeling wow. um, to actually just ha- receive the request rather mm-hmm. than have to constantly say, oh, um, you know, email a bunch of people and say, oh, can, can you please play this piece? Can you please play this piece? You know, it's very di- difficult and tedious to do that. So I feel incredibly lucky to have such an incredible network um, of very extraordinary musicians. I mean, they're all really stunning. And um, I have, I have I, them, you know, I, I, just to chat away, honestly. I wanted to just mention and uh, what you said today. You had a um, piece for accordion premiered today with Martina Jembrasak who was, uh, I attended that live-streamed concert, that was live-streamed online for where she is from Croatia. So um, yeah. before we play your next piece, tell us a little bit about what that's like to, I know it's not ideal, we're all sort of in a difficult time right now, but what is that like having a piece premiered on, an, on a live-streamed concert? Oh, it was very exciting and very heartwarming. Um, especially in her case, actually, because they were just hit in Croatia exactly where she lives. I mean, literally her hometown um, was hit 
with severe earthquakes has been happening. There was more earthquakes this morning, and she was almost not going to do the live stream. Um, but she said that the music inspires her and it drives drives her, you know, her will and her hope. Um, and it's her primary source of information inspiration. So she actually still went ahead of it. So it was very incredible that she still did the live stream among all the chaos of the earthquakes, um, which adds an entire other level of heartfelt um, passion and also um, compassion. So it was a, it was a very wonderful experience, actually. The um, the quality was incredible. She played magnificently, absolutely magnificently. Uh, she's a master player, and uh, it was very very humbling. Um, uh, and I feel very proud to be experiencing that, you know, on the other side of the world, basically. Yeah, it was you wonderful. Should. I I I caught the the latter half of it, and she played so sensitively, and she did a beautiful job with your piece. Um, Thank you so let's much. Move into yeah, it was so enjoyable, and I think you know we're all experiencing this coming together through music with people sharing online, and um, it's so wonderful that your friend did that, especially in the face of of uh, earthquakes. I didn't know those were happening this morning. Um, let's move into another piece. This is a piece that you wrote for. Uh, live musicians. This is Jeweled Wings. This is for a string quartet. Will you tell us a little bit about this piece before we share it with our listeners? Oh, yes, of course. So Jeweled Wings, um, still one of my favorite pieces <laughs> that I've ever written. Um, and it's the, oh gosh, I wrote it from the inspiration of thinking about um, this jeweled beetle. Um, it's a green beetle. It's a very, very, uh, very, um, colorful and bright green shimmery beetle and I just thought wow wouldn't it be interesting to see the light flickering off that incredibly shimmery wing uh, and that was actually the original inspiration um, a lot of my pieces actually come out of that kind of anomalous concept um, something that no one would really think about normally and um, so the piece has a lot of motives of flight and also of this shimmery light um, especially when the string quartet actually comes in after the cello's initial solo. Another aspect of this piece was the, I wanted the cello to begin and end the piece, which is actually quite, quite odd for a um, contemporary music, contemporary composer, or sorry, contemporary composition to start and end with a cello. Um, but I wanted that finality and that continuation. And the piece is premiered and recorded and performed by Quartetto Indonco which means indigo quartet in Italian. And they were just fabulous and phenomenal. I'm, I feel so, so grateful that that opportunity came about. It's a beautiful piece. I, we're so excited to share it with our listeners. So this is Jeweled Wings by, we're listening to Mariana Filippi on the Composer Studio.
That was Jeweled Wings by Mariana Filippi. You are listening to WHUP, and this is the Composer Studio. Mariana, that is a fantastic piece. It is. I, I could Thank see. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, you're very welcome. I could see why you were so proud of it. As a matter of fact, Anna has something that she wants to say about it. Well, I was just. I, Tarek and I were just talking while it was playing um, about how it, it. When as soon as the piece starts you're just drawn into this world and you don't want to leave and you and everything closes down every other thought you have and every other um you know distraction you have just goes away and you want to you're in this story and um you're on this flight with this beetle and you don't want to um you know it it doesn't end until the music ends it just wraps you up and takes you away it's great thank you so very much that is very very kind of you yeah Yep, and I'm sure many of our listeners had the same experience as well. Um, I think Amy did have a couple of questions that she wanted to make sure that she asked you today. Yeah, Mariana, okay. you and I chatted before we um, had you on, and we shared something in common in that we both started composing at a very young age. You, a year younger than me, you started composing at age seven. And I would love for you to share with our listeners, if you can, what compelled you to start creating music at such a young age oh my gosh I actually didn't realize that I was only a year younger than you <laughs> that's incredible and yeah, I do I find it eight. quite incredible so, how sorry I started at eight. <laughs> oh my gosh wow <laughs> I think that is completely meant to be that I'm here today and I connected with you um, I think it is incredible that we share very similar beginnings as well that is very rare yeah. these days um, so I actually began on the violin. Um, I'd always been musical. I was brought up in a very musically inclined family. Um, I actually started dabbling on the piano when I was, I don't know, as soon as, as, soon as I could stand up at around one, <laughs> I suppose, or one and a half, I guess. I don't know. Um, but uh, on my, my grandmother's, my mom's, on my mom's side, um, her mom's old, old, old piano. And I'd always loved it. I'd always loved the fact that I could press something and something comes out. Um, and you could create, I could create sounds and melodies. And um, when I composed, um, when I started composing at seven, after I discovered the piano uh, in, a more, in a more serious manner, um, I decided, okay, I don't want violin anymore. I want to play piano. <laughs> um, even though I love the violin, but it was, uh, much easier for me to express my ideas through the piano. So I started out very self-taught, very, um, my melodies were very Celtic influenced because that was my primary source of inspiration. It still is, uh, one of them anyway. And they were very basic, just, you know, part A, part B, and then repeat kind of structure, uh, like usual traditional pieces are. And I, kind of started to get more complex and complex over the years. I was very influenced also by film scores, particularly the score of Dragonheart, Randy Edelman, uh, the first original one back in the 90s, absolutely gorgeous film, still one of my favorites. And the score was so evocative and so beautiful and flowing. I just, I just wanted 
to convey that sound and how to and learn how to convey such power. And it kind of became an obsession. Um, so I listened to so many film scores. I just I, I just binged on film scores and and films. And um, I discovered Miyazaki, um, Hayao Miyazaki of Studio Ghibli. And I discovered Johi Saishi, and I discovered Hans Zimmer, and I discovered James Newton Powell and John Powell, James Newton Howard, sorry, and John Powell over the years. And I just became fascinated by this incredible intricacy and the way they build emotion and the way they, can, they create their melodies and their harmonies and their fantastic orchestrations. I just, I just completely fell in love with it. So from basically when, I was, when, I, when all that started happening, I was about, uh, gosh, maybe nine, I think, or so. So from a very, very uh, early age, I wanted to become a film composer. So throughout middle school and everything and high school, I was saying, I'm going to become a film scorer. I'm going to become a film scorer. Um, so that's why a lot of my earlier pieces mostly sound very, are very thematic. I kind of didn't really move away from that. I still kept the theme, the thematic way and also the um, improvisational way of composing, but they've become um, more complex as the years have gone on, um, mostly influenced by still film composing um, and also Japanese music and French Impressionism. Um, and so these are the stems that actually influence my music more days now than they used to. Very nice. And, and for the sake of time, I want to move on to the next piece because I do want people to hear your music. Um, but I do want to introduce the title. It's, it's uh, uh, Astraeus Welcomes the Storm, which sounds very cinematic just in its title alone. Um, and I'm, I have a hunch that maybe that's part of the influence in the title. Is that correct? Yes, indeed. Actually, the title is, this piece actually was completely dedicated and inspired by a paper cut work uh, layered I think it's, I can't remember how many layers it is um, a hand cut paper cut work by master hand cut um, master paper artist Hazel Sebastian Glass who is actually based in Oregon Portland, Oregon and I connected with her over Instagram and I just said, oh my gosh your, your work is so masterful and so inspiring visually inspiring, it's so incredibly complex and I decided that she should be my new source of inspiration, um, her incredible, intricate pieces. Um, so this piece is actually named after one of her works called Astraeus Welcomes the Storm with the same name. And this piece is very evocative, and I wanted to con try to convey sonically what I felt when I looked at her piece. Great. Well, let's take a listen. This is Astraeus Welcomes the Storm. Thank you.
was Mariana Filippi, uh, Astrius Welcomes the Storm for Solo Viola. It's so beautiful. Um, you are listening to WHUPFM in Hillsboro, North Carolina. And for listeners who would like to explore more of Mariana's music, you can find her at MarianaFilippiMusic.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-N-N-A. F-I-L-I-P-P-I music.com and Mariana um, you and I are discovering that we have quite a bit in common um, minus the many years we have between us I'm quite a bit older than you but um, but you also sort of cling to narrative or story to inspire your pieces will you talk to us a bit about that yes indeed um, it is it is very nice to have also the shared experiences, which is incredible. Um, so my love for story has always been in everything I do, from wh- whether it is art or uh, especially music. Um, and I just love the storytelling aspect. Um, I love listening to radio plays, and I love I love reading, and I love basically everything that has to do with the story. So um, this also comes from my love of film scoring as well, because each piece leads you through a story. And so each piece of mine actually can be considered a vignette, um, a vignette that starts off very simply from a very simple idea and then over time becomes more and more complex. And I always have to have some kind of idea or goal or purpose or narrative in mind because otherwise I've, I've tried this. I've tried not having a narrative and just kind of writing what I think is I should be writing kind of thing, if you know what I mean. And that just never mm-hmm. works. I absolutely have to always have a goal um, or purpose or narrative in mind. And that is kind of what I like to create with my pieces. Um, each of my pieces is very different, uh, which I love this versatilic uh, nature that my pieces have. Um, that has only really become apparent recently <laughs> for some reason. And so each piece tells its own story, uh, very individual from all of my other pieces. And um, well, most recently, There's, as yeah, I mentioned, oh, I'm sorry, Marianne, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. That's okay. Um, most recently, my inspiration has been Hazel Sebastian Glass's papercut works, and they themselves tell a very, very vivid story. And I'd like to imagine what is happening um, from very from from beginning to end. Um, so it kind of takes on that kind of storytelling aspect. So I would love to, um, if we'll chat after the show, but I would love to post some of the pieces of this artist on our uh, Facebook page on the Composer Studio. And for those listening, you can find our show, information about our show on the Composer Studio on Facebook or at whupfm.org. But Mariana, I'd love to post that piece, Estrius Welcomes the Storm, along with a link to that artist who inspired you, if that's all right with you. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, we'll do that. And so let's move on because we do want to share two more pieces with our listeners. Um, This next piece is entitled Snow Feather. Will you tell us a little bit what it's written for? Tell us a little bit about it. Unfortunately, for time purposes, we can't share the entire piece with our listeners, but um, we will include links to her website. We'll just play the first five minutes of it. But Mariana, please tell us a little bit about this piece. Oh, of course. So Snow Feather was originally written for violin and piano. 
Um, but I was asked by Rebecca Jeffries, who is the, pian- the flautist that I met at the um, at the Back Cove Contemporary Music Festival back in last May. She asked me to write her a piece, and so I had this piece already written, but it had never been performed. Um, I wrote it back uh, when I attended Ithaca College for just one year. I it didn't work out. It's okay, but I wrote this piece. <laughs> and had always wanted <laughs> I had always wanted to get it performed. And it worked, ter- turns out it worked actually perfectly for flute and piano. So I rewrote it a little bit um, to help with the range and everything, and also the breathing, because there was no spaces in between the notes uh, before in the violin version. But I sent it to her, and she and her accompanist, accompanist Molly Lizzo, they actually premiered it last year, and they've been including it in every concert that they have done since. Uh, they're going to be playing it about wow. I think, three different times. Yeah, it was really lovely. They really loved it a lot, and I was very honored by that. Um, the piece came about just uh, imagining the um, image of a feather floating in the snow and the journey that it takes. And so it's another very anomalous concept, um, but very lovely and meditative. It's kind of a meditative journey, um, but it becomes a very, very floaty and and flurry like it sounds like snow flurries to me so i was kind kind of trying to um convey that kind of motive um and the piano throughout actually oh yes no go ahead yeah sorry oh it's okay well actually i'll I'll just go ahead and jump in before before we play the piece i just want to mention to our listeners how unusual that is um, it's, un- it's, it's difficult, as you alluded to a little bit earlier, it's difficult as a composer to, um, to find premieres of our music, to connect with musicians and to get our music played. But the fact that these musicians, this flautist and pianist, have played it, you said in every single concert they've done since. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that is, I, you, I sort of was taken aback because... Um, for for those listening who are not in the music industry, um, that is a that's unusual. <laughs> so congratulations yes, <laughs> in of itself is a, that's a real testament to um, the strength of what you're writing at such a young age. And we're very excited to connect with you and very excited to continue to follow your career as you develop. Um, let's go ahead and and listen to Snow Feather. Um, uh, recorded by Professor Rebecca Jeffries and pianist Molly Lazo. Am I saying that right, Mariana? Lazo. Lazo, thank you. So yeah. this is Snow Feather. Snow 
Right there we heard a sample of Snow Feather by Mariana Filippi. Mariana, you know, we're so enthralled with your music and we're so excited about the music that you're writing and we were all wondering what your future plans are and because you write such programmatic music, do you have any plans of writing anything for voice? Oh, yes, actually. Very, very good point because I was going to bring that up. Um, so this year has been incredible for commissions. I have actually three commissions in the making, um, as well as a couple other very exciting opportunities by um, musicians who have asked for my pieces and are going to be premiering them later this year. Um, so for voice, yes, I haven't, haven't actually um, had very much experience, but this year I was asked by the Resonosa Ensemble which is a Maine-based trio led by Joel Morris, who is a soprano, Bridget Convoy, who is a pianist, and also um, Eliza, I can't remember her last name, I'm sorry, Eliza, um, who is a phenomenal cellist who plays also with the Portland Symphony Orchestra. And they are just extraordinary musicians. And um, I also met Joel when I was at the Bat Cove Contemporary Music Festival, that festival in itself led to so many opportunities. Oh my gosh, it was probably one of the most important things that has happened so far. Um, and Joelle really loved my piece that was premiered that year, and she asked me to write a piece that would be commissioned for her ensemble. So this year I'm writing a, I'm actually working on it right now. Um, I'm in the midst of the second movement at the moment, a three movement work that is, will probably be about, about 15 minutes or so. Um, featuring three poems by the poet Rainer Marie Rilke. Rilke. And um, there are three very, very diverse poems. His Blue Hydrangea and his poem Evening is a shorter version. And also um, on, winged on Winged Energy of Delight. They're very, very beautiful, very evocative poems. And each poem actually presents different opportunities for each movement to feature each musician. As well, I love giving the musicians solos. I just love breaking the tension and um, and having all the instrumentalists play at once. I absolutely love giving each player a solo. So my work tends to feature a lot of that. Um, and Joelle is an amazing soprano. She can pretty much <laughs> handle anything. So I'm giving her a lot of very interesting um, experimental kind of ideas. Um, I want it to be a contem more contemporary piece, but not too much. So there are some um, very, very kind of sparse thematic ideas that I have so far. Um, the first movement is quite, um, quite romantic, quite impressionistic and atmospheric in style. The second is very, very um, almost not cold, but very dark. Uh, and the third movement will be very energetic and with a lot of interplay between the cello and the piano. So she is actually helping me um, kind of figure out what I want and also what works and what doesn't work because this will actually be my first piece for, for any kind of voice. Um, I did admittedly write a choral piece back when I was, tw uh, gosh, 12, um, but that was very, very basic. Um, also, Another very, very exciting commission that has come up recently is with Tony Antolini, who is the Bowdoin College's choir director. He has been so for 35 or so years. And also he is the director of the Downey Singers, which is a wonderful choir we have here in Midhouse, Maine. 
That's awesome. And he approached Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Didn't mean to cut you off. But we, we do need to move forward. Um, I, know, I know you want to mention everyone that you're working with, and I'm sure they all appreciate it so much. Um, we do want to get to the last piece. Um, I was just wondering if you could spend about a minute or so just talking about Syzygy, so then we can play it live for the audience. Oh, yes, of course. Um, so this piece um, was actually written for specifically and asked for by the Portland Piano Trio. They did an absolutely spectacular job playing. I, they were magnificent. It's one of my favorite. It's one of also one of my favorite pieces. And um, the idea that I had for this piece actually is the idea of three planets coming together um, in in um, tandem. And so each instrument also since it's my first trio, I've never written a trio before. So I wanted to have this idea. Oh, you know, I want to express the instrument's core, you know, feeling. I, I want each one to be different and then come together and play together. So I was very inspired that summer, actually, this past summer it was written, um, by the word syzygy. And I was researching, I was very kind of interested in astronomical terms, so uh, the word syzygy actually kind of came to me and sparked the most inspiration. And it means a conjunction of planets, more specifically three planets. And I said, oh my gosh, that is the most perfect inspiration for my first trio of these three planets coming together. And the piano is very atmospheric and, and kind of dark um, and carries the ensemble. Um, and the cello is very romantic and lush and deep and sonorous. And the violin is very energetic and fiery. So you've got these three very different characters coming together and they... Um, they come in. They come in line together, and then they disappear one by one into their own realms. Okay. Wow. Well, let's take a listen to this, Mariana. We want to thank you so much. First off, for taking the time to be with us, be with us today. It has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and the music that you're composing, and we are thrilled that we've had you on the composer studio with us. Thank you so much, you three. This has been a lovely opportunity, and I'm so excited to be here today.
have been listening to The Composer's Studio, created and produced by Amy Scoria, Anna Linville, and Tara Ghirardella. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash composerstudio. Pop over to our Facebook page for bonus links, music, tidbits, and news about our featured composers. You can also visit our website at www.composerstudionc.com. If you are a composer and interested in being considered for a feature on our show, reach out to us at composerstudionc at gmail.com or send us a note through our Facebook page or website. We'd love to hear from you. The opening music for our show was composed by Tarek Ghirardella, and the closing music was composed by Amy Scoria. Until next week, thank you for listening and opening your ears to the music of today. Thank you.